Not many things to celebrate in the world today. But today we can at least celebrate that it is Friday. It is Friday on the Stu Peters Show. Uncensored, unafraid, and unstoppable. The 10th day of February 2023. Welcome. Vera Sharav is a Holocaust survivor, and she sees alarming links between the reality that we're living through right now and the horrors that she survived nearly 80 years ago. According to Vera, the COVID pandemic is a mass genocide, just like the Holocaust. We agree. Well, two weeks ago, Vera released her own five-part documentary series, Never Again is Now Global. Here's a trailer. Take a look. During the night, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. None of the children survived. And I thought to myself, I was right not to obey. That's a lesson that I think has kind of made who I am. Wow. Here's Rob joins us now. You know, that gave me chills when you said those two sentences together, none of the kids survived. And that's what made me know I was right not to obey. We're in the same situation right now. Those words could apply to what we're seeing today with the release of this bioweapon at the hands of our own government. Yeah. Uh, You know, history doesn't repeat itself exactly in the same way. Technology is different. And so you won't have gas chambers. You don't need, they don't need them. They've got technological weapons. And people need to really think about not obeying because they're helping, they're empowering those who want to put them in digital concentration camps. Yeah. Um, What you've described here is fascism. Uh, They want to take people and put them into virtual, digital, and physical prisons. They have built these prison camps uh, in places like Australia and all over the place. And we're called conspiracy theorists for talking about this. Well, I want to tell you that one of the reasons that I made this documentary is, you know, before before all of us survivors are gone, because we hold the history. And I can tell you that, you know, I, I interviewed 32 people for this documentary, and the survivors were very eager to talk. They were very eager to tell what they know and what they're witnessing now and how it brings chills to them because they recognize where, you know, how totalitarian regimes take on and accelerate the pace. Uh, Hitler also didn't do everything immediately. He took power in January 1933, the final solution, which aimed actually at all of the Jews of Europe and North Africa. That began in 42. So it there were a lot of steps beforehand, a lot of isolation, demonization of Jews as spreaders of infectious disease. And today we've had that kind of an accusation against those who choose not to be injected with an experimental bioweapon. Yeah. Uh, and the bioweapon, I don't even think is experimental. This thing has 
been in existence for a very long time. Documentation suggests as early as 2015, at least 2018, these shots were ready to go. They had this ready to go. This has been planned. What are some of the key things that you see right now happening in our world that make you come to the conclusion that this is a repeat of history with different technology? It's a repeat of history and different technology in that, again, people are being demonized, those who don't obey. The thing about it, though, is more and more people are beginning to not obey. Less and less are taking the jab because the body count, the people who are harmed, who die, uh, who who get uh, heart attacks. I mean, when children get heart attacks, you have to say to yourself, what's going on? This is not normal. This is not, you know, uh, and the weapons that have been used right from the get go from uh, 2019, March and April was fear, fear and constant propaganda to keep people in line with whatever the government and public health officials who are working together hand in glove uh, were telling them. And people began to really be afraid to look sideways and to think for themselves. This is what bothers me more than anything, is that human beings who are given the freedom, we've been given God-given freedom to make our own choices in life. And people have given that up and defer to authority. Now, when their child is harmed, what authority is going to be responsible? Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to bury them? This is very serious. And people have been as if sleepwalking. Now, this has been very carefully conditioned. You know, psychological conditioning is one of the weapons that has been perfected. And it actually did begin kind of, uh, you know, in Dachau, they had experiments. And as we know, and not many people really do know, more than 1,600 of the top Nazi architects of the uh, genocide, uh, engineers, scientists, and medical doctors were smuggled into the United States against the explicit a directive of the president at that time, Truman, who said that he did not allow anyone who was a member of the Nazi party to enter this country. And yet they were smuggled in by government officials and they were scattered all over the country in medical institutions and scientific institutions. And they taught a, a whole generation of American scientists how to do things the Nazi way. The first thing that came out of it were the CIA mind control experiments, which were all directed by the Nazis. So, and they've never been exposed, never been punished. The other people who've been hiding behind, you know, an iron curtain are the corporate corporations and heads of families that own those corporations who actually facilitated Hitler's final solution and the war. Hitler didn't have the machinery, didn't have the war machinery, and he didn't have the money. And that was provided by corporations who, by them, also, by the way, profiteered from the slave labor camps. Why is it that we didn't bomb the tracks, the railroad tracks that led to the concentration camps and death camps? 
because there was a business involvement in it. These were, yeah, these were profit. Hmm? These were profitable. What should I call it? I mean, well, death camps. Is, yeah. And, and what you've just described is our hospitals today. Uh, and the tracks, the figurative tracks that you're talking about are led by politicians like, uh, you know, disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo, who led thousands, ostensibly, geriatrics to their death, helpless people to their death, by putting them in modern-day progressive death camps. Do you think that that's an overstatement? I don't. I Early on, I had mentioned his statement before he gave the order not to treat the elderly. He gave the hospitals and nursing homes immunity from liability. And then he gave the order and said, before he gave the order, he predicted this virus in nursing homes will be like fire through dry grass. So these people regarded as dry grass. And then he gave the order anyway. So this was premeditated uh, murder. This was premeditated murder. He is, yes, he's a mass murderer of more than 15,000 elderly New Yorkers. And then you mentioned the business model of all of this. Well, mm -hmm. if you take a look at today's statistics, it's widely known, it's publicly available. You can see that doctors themselves were actually bonused for how yeah. many people they gave this injection to, for how large of a percentage that their practice was as far as a vaccinated list of clientele. Uh, and then you have the federal government paying with our tax dollars. We as Americans are paying hospitals hundreds of thousands of dollars on a scale. You have a COVID diagnosed patient. You have a patient that is given a uh, ventilator treatment. You have a patient that is sedated with a cocktail of deadly drugs. You have a, pa a patient that is flooded with poisonous, deadly, venomous remdesivir, and then you have a COVID-diagnosed patient die. Mm -hmm. North of 300 some odd thousand dollars per patient that they treat with that sliding scale. The business model is exactly the same as the one that you've described historically from nearly 80 years ago. And the other part is that the medical establishment is just as involved as it was under the Nazis. That's the real horror of it, you know, because people instinctively, they trust doctors because they expect doctors to do no harm, to abide by the Hippocratic Oath, and after the Nazis, to abide by the Nuremberg Code, which requires voluntary informed consent to medical interventions. And they're breaking all those ethical standards, those norms. That's what the Nazis did. This is one of the real facts of life. When medicine goes into partnership with government, watch out, because then it's weaponized and its goal is actually murderous, not healing. From a healing profession into a murderous profession. And they know how to do it, you see. They know which doses kill and which don't. I mean, this is not something that wasn't known. When they give those cocktails that you described, that's known to kill. The, the Actually, the, uh, the label inside says so. They give all kinds of warnings, and they disregarded all that in the hospitals now. Why? Why were they so anxious to kill? We have to ask, well, 
they tell us actually population control is has been you know on the radar over and over they keep saying that we must reduce the population what does it mean reduce the population it means kill people murder them yeah murder that's them. right uh, and some of the biggest investors in this bioweapon injection are those that also stand before the planet and say that we have an overpopulation problem. That means that they want to depopulate. That means that they want 500 million people living here. There are approximately 8 billion living here now. That means that we have to murder 7.5 billion people. We're watching this happen all over the place. Athletes at the peak of their physical condition are dropping dead. Uh, We've had doctors here exposing the Canadian doctor crisis. These are doctors not in their 80s, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Healthy doctors on their fourth and fifth doses of these boosters are dropping dead at alarming numbers. But yet still people won't wake up because of what you mentioned, propaganda. So from 80 years ago till now, what are the same propaganda triggers that you see? Well, it's censorship of all information and all sources of information that challenge the narrative that they are instilling in people day and night. And, you know, it began really with the lockdowns where that was a very clever way. You know, you keep people totally isolated in front of their television. I mean, that's the way it was. A television that is pumping out state-controlled narratives, by the way. Exactly. Each channel, each of the major channels was saying the same thing, the same words, the same narrative. So you, you hear this constantly, day and night, they began to believe it, that this thing called virus was, you know, the, the weapon of mass destruction, where it was actually the other way around. You know, you mentioned and Nuremberg uh, a little while ago. And I think that that's a conversation that we really need to start mainstreaming. It's a conversation that this network and this program specifically have been talking about. Uh, Citizens, grand juries, military tribunals. I don't trust this military to do anything because they didn't protect us. I don't trust this government to do anything because there's not one sitting U.S. representative. There's not one sitting U.S. senator that's actually taking this seriously. And don't tell me about Senator Ron Johnson. That was a kangaroo court. He had the self-proclaimed inventor of mRNA sitting next to him dictating how this conversation went. This is a guy who's got ties to the CIA and all sorts of other, you know, mind control stuff that he wants to bring up with this mass formation psychosis. And what that is, is it blaming the public? It's blaming the innocent victims of the propaganda that you talked about. So let's, let's have a real conversation here instead of some, you know, CIA word salad. Nuremberg, military tribunals, that might be out of the question. Citizens, grand juries, absolutely a possibility. A lawman here in the United States, a sheriff, an attorney general from one of our great 50 states, there has to be accountability. What, what kind of accountability, Vera, do you see? How should these people pay for the crimes that they have committed against humanity? They need to be put on trial, and we, the public, need to know all the details of how they did it and why they did it, and the, and the extent, the, the harm that's been, that's been done to, you know, the elderly we talked about. What about children? Children who've lost school, who, who who now don't trust people. I survived because I assessed people who would be kind and who would help me. And children now were prevented, you know, with the mask. You can't tell a person's expression. So the trials have to be public. The whole thing has to be so that people really understand the gravity of the crimes of the perpetrators on trial. And then, frankly, I do believe that those who are responsible should be eliminated from the earth because this is a multi-headed 
Hydra that keeps on coming back. Nuremberg, after all, was only a tiny, tiny number who were tried. The real forces behind it were not tried. And that's why it's it metastasized to now and a much bigger scale. Now they've got the global population in their, you know, firing range. At that time, it was Europe. Do you think that members of the press, members of the media, those at Fox who ran with the safe and effective narrative who, you know, I, I oftentimes say that propaganda is most effective in the media on the omission, on what mm. they choose not to report while they ignore record-smashing numbers of injuries and deaths, three times as many injuries and deaths caused by this one shot in a very short period of time than every other vaccine combined, because it's not a vaccine, it's a weapon of biowarfare. Uh, so members of our own government, you know, uh, Congress people, senators, executives at Pfizer and Moderna, AstraZeneca, Gilead for their remdesivir, poisonous, venomous death drug. Uh, but what about members of the press? Should they also face uh, accountability for this? Absolutely. Absolutely. The press, look, Biden gave the press a billion dollars to only report positively about these shots. Why would you have to bribe them? They already make a lot of money from the manufacturers and, you know, pharmaceuticals essentially own a lot of the media. But he added that a billion dollars. Well, of course, you know, billions of dollars are being thrown around now. Whose whose money is that, by the way? It's ours, the taxpayers. We're funding our own demise, Vera. We're funding our own demise, right? Just as by obedience, we are empowering them. Without people's obedience, this whole thing would be over. Can't wait to see the documentary series. Never again is now global. Where can people find it? CHD. TV. That's one place. And also on Rumble. It'll be on more channels as we go along. But this is CHP. Children's Health Defense has been a supporter and we thank them. Well, we thank you. And we thank you for the series. And we thank you for being here. Uh, God bless you, Vera. Thank you. No matter which side of the fence people have been on, they've been saying, show me the evidence. I'll believe it when I see the evidence. And people on both sides agree that something went terribly wrong in November 2020, but there really has been no comprehensive place to see the evidence of widespread fraud until now. This video is pure data, so don't get mad. You can't be angry when a scientist confirms that gravity pulls downward at negative 9.8 meters per second squared, even when that fact works against the narrative you've heard. So here we go. Just before we show you some new disturbing video evidence, we'll talk about statistical anomalies in three states in question. In the early hours of November 4th, 2020, Democratic candidate Joe Biden received several major vote spikes in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia, suddenly placing him in the lead when he had been trailing Trump by a significant margin. 8,954 individual vote updates were analyzed. Across nearly all updates, there follows a clear statistical pattern. However, a very small number of batches are especially questionable. The four most notable aberrations were two in Michigan, one in Wisconsin, and one in Georgia. And all occurred in the same five-hour window, in the middle of the night, when in some places, counting reportedly had stopped. Not only do these updates not follow generally observed patterns, but their behavior is particularly extreme. For context, using publicly available data from the New York Times, here is a visualization of the number of votes by candidate in Michigan from the beginning of the election night to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on November 4th. Trump is in red, Biden is in blue. 
noticed a sudden and improbable spike in votes for Biden at 6.30 a.m., where Biden received 141,258 votes, while Trump only received 5,968. This extreme ratio is surrounded by updates that are nearly the same in ratio. This particular update is 23 times more votes for Biden, and is the most extreme update favoring Biden in all datasets across all states. The situation in Wisconsin is even more stark. A single update to the vote count brought Biden from trailing by over 100,000 votes into the lead. Thirdly, a vote update in Georgia at 1.34 a.m. Eastern Time on November 4th, which shows 136,155 votes for Joe Biden and only 29,115 for Donald Trump. The extents of these four vote spikes in question are more than the margin of victory in all three states, which means the spikes were not only abnormal in regards to percentage for Joe Biden, but also in magnitude of the vote count. Out of roughly 9,000 updates, this election was decided by only four extreme updates, each with a probability of less than one-tenth of one percent, meaning that had these four unlikely updates not happened, we would have a different president in the White House. Detractors argue that these spikes were merely human error and not indication of fraud, and the errors have been corrected. If the errors have been corrected, where is their evidence? Why were the results never changed? Others have said that the spikes indicate heavily democratic precincts. If that were the case, then California would show many spikes of that magnitude, but it doesn't. Only one vote update in California is anomalous in percentage of Biden votes, but not enough magnitude to shift an outcome. The strangest anomaly visible in the data is a consistently identical ratio of Biden to Trump votes across time, which is theoretically impossible. Here is Florida. These updates occurred over a week following the election. Notice all the ratios of Biden to Trump votes are 100% identical over several days. This pattern shows up in many states. It appears that a computer algorithm is involved in the process, which is doing something called weighted race distribution, a feature of Diebold voting machines known as early as 2001, which gives values to votes rather than simply counting them. Here in California, we see an update of one vote. About 65% of that value is given to Biden and 32% to Trump. How can one vote go to more than one person? It is well known and not disputed that Diebold's software was found to be switching votes through programming in past elections. Even though Diebold is no longer used, Dominion Voting Systems acquired ESNS in 2010, which had previously acquired Diebold under its new name of Premier Election Solutions. This does not exhaust all statistical data anomalies encountered in the 2020 election, but data anomalies is only one factor to consider. Next is eyewitness and video evidence. In Georgia, there's a case of a poll worker named Ruby who was seen on Instagram giving a secretive live video of her working in the back room filled with absentee ballots. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna let y'all see this. Okay, don't say nothing. Listen, look. At 10.30 p.m. on November 3rd, all media and poll watchers were told to leave State Farm Arena because ballot counting was going to stop. But Ruby and her daughter and three others remained behind at State Farm Arena. They pulled boxes of ballots out from under the table that was placed there in the morning and distributed them to several counting stations. Back to Fulton County, Georgia right now, where our reporter Blaine Alexander apparently has some new reporting on the expectations for that count. Well, Rachel, we've learned that the counting continues tonight. You know, right here in State Farm Arena behind me, we've learned that there are five people who are still inside, still working to scan those absentee ballots and try and get those numbers tabulated. Now, initially, we believe we were told that everybody went home at about 1030. But I just got off the phone with the county spokesperson who tells me that indeed there are still some 
people in there quite literally burning the midnight oil, scanning ballot after ballot and trying to get that information in. And Blaine, specifically, you said five people are inside that building. That's five of five actual individuals who are working on all the absentees in Fulton County right now. Just five. Wow. Talk about having the sort of fate of the nation in your hands. Ruby is seen here in this video running the exact same stack of ballots through the machine three times. Other workers do the same. Note that a large surge in Biden votes can be observed after this tabulation at 0634 Greenwich Mean Time, which is 1.34 a.m. in Georgia, just after the time in question. You may ask, can a ballot really be counted more than once? Here is your answer from Coffee County, Georgia. Can you scan a ballot more than once? I've just done it. I'm talking about you just... Yeah. You just keep scanning yeah. I just kept scanning that same I just scanned the same batches that y'all just voted. Mm-hmm. I never got any more until that one. I don't know why they approve such a system. Ruby allegedly posted this later on social media. Of course the mainstream media calls this misinformation, and most references to these videos have been deleted from internet search results. Apple News the morning of the election sent out a push message to Apple News subscribers that elections are secure. So if it's true that election fraud is rare, what about Raquel Rodriguez? She was recently arrested for election fraud in Texas because of overwhelming video evidence incriminating herself that she was harvesting ballots for pay. Look at the top of the ticket to get votes for either Biden. How many votes do you think you can deliver for us? At least 5,000. And what are we looking at as far as how much that's going to cost? For the entire team that I'm looking at, I'm looking at 55,000. So $55,000 for 5000 most confident in eager Biden. If not more, I'm, I'm not going to overpromise because remember, we, we're, we're 16 days till election day. You can give me cash, you can do whatever you want to do. $55,000 up front, 5000 That's right. Then there is cybersecurity evidence and the question of whether Dominion voting machines were tampered with over internet connections. Signed affidavits under oath from cybersecurity experts indicate that Dominion voter systems and Edison Research were using an unencrypted VPN with login credentials that were easily accessible and used by foreign adversaries to monitor and manipulate votes. The IP addresses into the Edison Research host service went in both directions, meaning that not only were China and Iran and other countries accessing the servers, but also Edison Research was communicating back to these adversaries. The claims that Dominion voting machines were not connected to the internet are completely false. Cybersecurity experts have followed the communication of the data from Dominion voting servers and Edison Research to foreign countries. A simple web search will uncover that DominionVotingSystems.com is registered to a company in Hunan, China. Three of the seven board members of UBS Securities are Chinese nationals. That company owns Staple Street Capital, which in turn owns Dominion. On top of that, the Dominion software is licensed from Smartmatic, which is a Venezuelan-owned and controlled company, and we're all familiar with how their elections go. Furthermore, forensic audits of the machines reveal significant errors. Although the mainstream media and politicians are saying that it's dangerous misinformation that Dominion voting systems are unsecure, this was the very message that several left-leaning news sources were claiming less than a year ago. NBC News and PBS found out just how easy it is to hack voting machines or cast fake votes. It's important to know that Georgia just spent over a hundred or is about to spend over a hundred million dollars on a contract with Dominion to provide image cast 
hardware to the state in time for the 20 uh, for the for the next primaries and for the 2020 election and yet here these kids were who had opened it up they said look you can pop the front off of it and here's a port you can get into right here that's easy you know all kinds of stuff that that you could certainly do within six minutes behind a curtain much less uh, if you had extra time because any of these were uh, connected to the web as we discovered a couple of days before um, so many of them are Despite opposition and attacks, election security experts were able to audit Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan, revealing unusually high error and adjudication rates. What does that mean? According to the report, Dominion Voting Systems is intentionally designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. Ballot errors are sent to adjudication, which means the vote can be decided by an election worker where there is no oversight, no transparency, and no audit trail. We've scanned 113,130 as of moments ago. We've adjudicated 106,000 plus of those. Experts identified an error rate of 68.05%, which is far above the Federal Election Commission guidelines of 0.0008%, or 1 in 250,000. Although vote adjudication logs are available for prior election years, Suspiciously, all the logs for the 2020 cycle were missing. Moreover, all security logs prior to 11.03 p.m. on November 4th are also missing. If that's not enough, the election event designer log shows that the Dominion Image Cast Precinct cards were reprogrammed on October 23rd and again on November 5th, which violates the Help America Vote Act, which includes a 90-day safe harbor period that prohibits changes to election systems, registries, hardware, and software updates without undergoing recertification. Even if skeptics and critics persist that these issues are inconsequential, they should be willing for forensic audits to take place for transparency, yet they have viciously attacked attempts to review logs. Why is that if there's nothing to hide? Election officials in Maricopa County, Arizona have even ignored subpoenas for release of election data and Dominion machine audits until after the inauguration. Then there's the mass influx of unsolicited mail-in ballots. The key word is unsolicited. In other words, people receiving ballots they never asked for. Politicians used the coronavirus to push mass mail-in ballots and extending the time to receive those ballots till many days after the election. There are many reports of people who voted in person also receiving multiple unsolicited ballots in the mail. People who did not send in a mail-in ballot denied in-person voting because they were told they had voted already by mail when they hadn't. This opened up chaos in the system and uncertainty as to who actually voted. Additionally, signature verification requirements were slackened in many states, adding even more uncertainty. In fact, the Pennsylvania Secretary of State unilaterally removed legislative signature requirements for mail-in ballots. More than a thousand signed affidavits have been given by poll workers who have witnessed illegal activities, non-equal treatment of Republican poll watchers, counting ballots in locations with no poll watchers, poll watchers not permitted close enough to see the counting process, shredding ballots, garbage bags full of ballots for Trump, entire boxes of hundreds of supposedly mail-in ballots that have no folds, indicating they were never actually mailed by anyone. The list goes on and on. These affidavits are signed by witnesses under penalty of perjury, so this should not have been taken lightly, but these witnesses were never heard in court. Unfortunately, what we have covered is only the tip of the iceberg on fraud, cover-ups, federal election law violations, and dishonesty on a global scale. So either the Secretary of State's office is recording and certifying results that have negative errors and fraudulent votes in them, or someone is giving them negative information. Recent polls show an overwhelming percentage of the U.S. don't trust the 2020 election was without fraud. At the end of this video, the credits will be further data scrolling through that you can read for yourself and pause and go back and read again. So what can you do?
Firstly, find a way to download this video and share it. Film it with your mobile phone. Do anything to duplicate this. Post it with a hashtag, here is the evidence, hashtag every legal vote. Because guaranteed, big tech and social media giants will do their best to erase it from the internet as they've already done with much of the evidence we've already shared. And if they can't erase it, they'll fake fact check it. Well, guess what? We've already done the fact checking. We've gone through thousands of pages of data, sworn affidavits, forensic reports, and cybersecurity reports. Secondly, you can demand election reform from your election state and local officials. We cannot let another election ever be this questionable ever again. This is the United States of America. People used to look to us on how to have democracy through our voting system. 2020 was a complete sham and it cannot ever happen again.